We're in a sermon series that's called Calling, and we're in the third part. And the big idea is that God is speaking to every one of us. God has a calling for your life, and if you are still breathing, raise your hand if you're still breathing. Raise your hand if you're not breathing, really wave your arms frantically um, that we need to know quickly. Um, if you're still breathing, God's not done with you. God's got a calling for you and for me. But oftentimes we don't hear it. Last week we talked about Samuel and Eli, and he could not, he didn't know how to hear God. And this week is sort of in that same direction. And this is a parable that Jesus tells, and the disciples come to Jesus after he tells it, and they're asking questions. And literally, Jesus says this. You, you don't understand this? Well, how will you understand anything? So this is like the key. This is a central teaching. Like this is one of these moments when Jesus says, oh, you don't get this? Oh, if you don't get this, like there's no, nothing will make sense. So I, I'm asking you, and by the way, this is one of these parables where he says things like, Hey, who who has ears to hear, let him hear. So on the front end of reading the text today, I'm I'm trying to wake you up a little bit to say, take the cotton out of your ears, put it in your mouth, listen, not just with your ears, but with your heart. So let's stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the Scripture for today coming from the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Hear God's Word. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around Him was so large that He got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in His teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. But Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word that was sown in them. 
Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word at once and receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what was sown. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall never die. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I asked our uh, altar guild chair to get me some props for today. I got a packet of seeds. I got some garden tools. And then I've got a plant. And it looked pretty. Any gardeners in the house? Anybody got a black thumb? I, I am not a gardener. My dad, my, I didn't grow up in a home that gardened. My dad loved to work in the yard, and he loved to, you know, work on the flower beds and stuff like that. He didn't really garden. You know, he didn't have a garden. And, of course, at some point in school, some loving teacher will give you seeds to take home. And so I brought home seeds. And the only vegetable, there was a season of my life where the only vegetable I liked at all was cucumbers. And I had cucumber seeds and... Uh, I, I wanted. I said, Dad, can we plant uh, some cucumber? And he said, Sure. And we planted cucumber seeds. And one cucumber plant came up, and it produced one solitary cucumber. And it was ugly. It was strange looking. It didn't look nice and pretty like the ones in the store. And I did not want to eat it. I was like, I don't trust this cucumber, even though it was probably you know, organic, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but anyway, I'm not a gardener. I, I, I remember the one cucumber, a, a, but here's what I've learned since then from people that do garden is you got to plant more than one plant, right? I mean, they might not all turn out, and the more you plant, the better. Now, God, is God a good gardener? Somebody said amen. Somebody said absolutely. I'm going to tell you, according to Jesus, God is a terrible gardener. Did you see this sower? What kind of an idiot buys good seed and then goes out on the heritage or main street and just throws some seed out there? Hey, maybe it'll take root. I mean, that's it. Did you, did you hear the parable? The farmer takes the seed and he just sows it everywhere. Of course, this is not a parable on how to garden at all. Just like the 99 sheep is not a parable on how to be a shepherd. Don't leave the 99. <laughs> that's crazy. But that's, how, that's what God is like. God is so reckless. He's so wasteful. He's so liberal in His sowing of the seed. Wouldn't you agree? He doesn't seem to care at all. He just 
Well, that, that might take root. That might take root. That might take root. And so this is really not a, a parable of the sower. It's a parable of the soils. Right? And if you survey the congregation, probably nobody is going to say that, that, that they're the seed on the path today. Right? Yeah, I'm on the path. I, you can't even say that. If you say that, you're, you're not even here. What is the seed that... you got the path where the, Satan comes and takes the word away. And then you've got the rocky, hard soil with shallow, uh, good soil, and there's rocky. It hasn't been plowed up. Right? And so what happens with that? Does it produce a plant? Yes. But no fruit. And see, a lot of times in the church, I think we want to we think soils 2, 3, and 4 are all good. Right? I mean... He gave his life to Christ. I remember when. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? Like a lot of times in the church, to me that rocky soil looks like someone who was a convert. And they made a beginning. But then they fell away. And of course, if you're Baptist, once saved, always saved, you would say, well, they were never really a convert. But we're not having that argument today, okay, people? That's semantics. Are y'all not? Nobody's in this old... One time I got to preach at the Baptist church because we were renovating our sanctuary and we were going to meet in our social hall and then, um, and I don't know why, we didn't even think about this. We moved all the pews into the social hall because we were refinishing the hardwood floor and when we moved the pews in the social hall, there was no room. Like It was like they were stacked in there and it was like, oh my goodness, we don't have anywhere to meet on Sunday. So I called the Baptist church and I, this was in, in Bloomingdale, Georgia, and I said, can we... Can we use y'all's sanctuary maybe in the afternoon? I said, you know, we, we just need a place to meet. We don't want to disrupt. And then he said, Tom, just, we just worship together. And then he said, and you preach. I was like, are you kidding me? It was such a graceful thing. And it was great. And uh, my, I told my mama, and I, she, said, she said, well, what are you preaching on? Once saved, always saved, or infant baptism? I said, Mom, now don't be like that. All right, so, but you see that soil that's rocky, right? It's like the teenager who goes to camp or goes to the mission trip or goes to the retreat and they're on fire for God for a little while. I relate to that a ton. I remember those days. And then that next soil is the thorny soil, right? And that's what? I believe, I want it, I want, I hear the word. I hear the word. I get the seed, which is the word of God, but I'm choked by what are the thorns? What are the thorns? The worries of this, the worries of this life, wealth, worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth. So greed or sort of needing more consumption, uh, Worrying about money and possessions and stuff. And the desires for other things. This is really akin to what we talked about last week, if you remember. We talked about how we want success and security and safety and pleasure. Do you see how that's the exact same three things? Is the desire for... Um, oh, what was the first one? Oh, the worries of this life. How am I doing? Stress and then greed and consumption and the desire for other things. That's the thorns, right? 
And then what's the fourth soil? That's the good soil. That's the good stuff. That's what you know. Anybody who is a good gardener? I wish Don was here today. Y'all know Don Carpenter? Don's like, Don Davis is like, whoa, what? Uh, Don, y'all know Don Carpenter? Ada is sick with cancer. Pray for Ada. She is a, she is a faithful Christian. Ada Carpenter, she loves the Lord. And Don's been coming to church some. He's not here today. But Don can garden. And Don knows something that I don't know. Which is, if you know how to till the soil and prepare it and work it and weed it and, and you, you get the right sun, the right amount of water, the right conditions, buddy, you get, you don't just, you, it's amazing how many tomatoes can come out of one seed. God is so good. Do you love tomatoes? Do you love peppers? Do you love greens do you isn't it amazing how when you have that good soil 30 and it's not exaggerating 30 times 60 times 100 times at the good samaritan if any of you works there and we've had fresh vegetables nine times out of ten don carpenter's the one that brought him up there he wouldn't want me to tell you but he does because he's got more than he can he's like i can't i went over there the other day and he said he gave me so many potatoes. I said, Don, I can't eat all these potatoes. He says, I can't eat them all. Here, please take them. More than enough, enough to share. That's how we change the world. So in the same way that you've got to do something to have good soil, my hope for you and for me today is that you and I, like, I hope I don't have to convince you of the reality of the different soil conditions. Like, wouldn't you agree that spiritually it's possible to be open to God but then fall away? Any, amen? Anybody can, got that t-shirt? Wouldn't you agree it's possible to want to follow God but be choked by the thorns and the weeds? So rather than preaching a sermon today where I paint a picture of these things and go, oh yes, life can be stressful, but we, we need to... We need to let... All right, that's fine. I want to get practical today. Okay? I, you have to be okay. It's not a choice. Yeah, you're like, you're, we're under... We have no choice here. I want to get practical. How do you move... Because this is kind of a progression. How do you move from the path to the rocky soil to the thorny soil to the good soil? Okay? Ready? Sometimes we're on the path. And that's where we're not hearing anything. And most of us have been there at some point. And you'll see it with kids. You, you've seen it with kids, right? you got a kid that just won't listen, no matter what you say. And then at some point, you pray, the light bulb goes off, right? And it's so neat when that happens. So we can't really control that. But, I mean, when you've done ministry, if you've done children's ministry or after school or camp, you know, you've got some kids that you feel like they're listening, and you got some kids that's like, they're just not hearing you. You know, you say this amazing thing, and they're like, when can we play kickball? You know, I mean, like, they, they just, you know what I mean? They're just not interested in it. And, and so it's part of our development, but you can also be an adult and just not be hearing what you need to hear, right? Okay. I don't know, how, other than prayer and that provenient grace, I don't know how we move from the path to the rocky soil. But I will say this, when I was a kid, they gave me a Bible in the fourth grade. 
And I did start to read it. Because I felt like I was supposed to, but I couldn't understand it. It was an old Revised Standard Version, which is great. Revised Standard Version, I love Revised Standard Version. But as a fourth grader, it was like way over my head. And I, and I would start in Genesis, and I would never make it out of like the patriarchs. You know? And there was pictures in the front and in the back, and I really liked the pictures, right? But there was only like a couple. There was like a picture of the cedars of Lebanon. I don't know why, but there was a picture of the cedars of Lebanon. I still remember that. Why? Because that's what I got out of that Bible. But when in the eighth grade, something happened to me. The light bulb started to come on. So maybe I'm moving to the rocky soil, but here's what you need to hear. I got a Bible for me that I could understand. I went to the Christian bookstore. I got, it was called, I think, the Student Bible, some of you might have had it. It was, and it had stuff just for teenagers. And I needed that. Now today, I, it wouldn't do me any good. But I needed, if you're a teenager or a, a tween or an a, a older child in here, you need a Bible that you can read and understand. And sometimes it'll have like little snippets about life that are helpful, little devotional thoughts. But also what it had was, if I was reading the Bible and it, I got to some word I didn't understand, you know, I could look at the Bible, and it would often have a little explanation. And at least I could keep going. And then when I got into high school, I really started getting on fire for God at one point. And I went and got an NIV, because I said, I don't want to be a teenager anymore. I was a teenager. But I didn't want a teenager Bible. I wanted a grown-up Bible. And so when I was in, like, 10th grade, I went to the Christian bookstore, and by God, I got what I thought was the best Bible that they had that time. I got an NIV study Bible. And you can get whatever, there's tons of Bibles. I mean, there's no shortage of Bibles. Like, I give you one if you need one. But, but here's the thing. I, I didn't want a teenager Bible anymore because I wanted to be, you know, I, didn't, I wanted whatever the preacher knew. You know what I mean? I, is there secrets they're keeping? Like, I want the whole deal. So I got me a Bible, NIV study Bible, boom. I, and I'm not bragging because I was, y'all know, I was very wayward and sinful and all of that. But I wore that Bible out. I, I, now, then I went as a youth minister at 21. I got a job as a youth minister in Renz, Georgia. And you know what? <laughs> when you become a youth minister, see, now I thought I knew everything. But once I had to teach a group of youth on Sunday night and Wednesday night, you know what I figured out? I didn't know enough. And I really started digging in. And like I'd start asking the pastor, I'd come to the pastor, what does this mean? What does this mean? Because I didn't want to teach the youth wrong. Right? Does this make sense? So in order to get off the path, if you are on the path, you got to get off the path. And the way to get off the path is to listen to God. God is sowing seed in your direction. You've got to pick it up. You've got to listen to it. Now, once you're on that rocky soil, we kind of talked about this last week. What's the rocky soil? They spring up quickly. They're on fire, but they don't hang in there. What do you need to, to not be rocky soil? How do you till it up? Why do people fall away when the going gets tough? It's the difference between the crowd and the disciples. Remember Jesus said to the, he said, they don't have the secret, you have the secret. The difference between the crowd and the disciples was the disciples were in a group following Jesus together. And it is possible to be in the church, but you're still in the crowd. And the crowd, there's two dangers of not being in a group, 
of Christians following Jesus. You can either be in the crowd, and then you're going to be subject to whatever the mob mentality of the culture is. And there is tons of that in our culture today. So you're just going to kind of be blown about by every wind of doctrine and all of the sort of, you'll just be whatever, you'll just reflect whatever the crowd is shouting at any given moment. And in the Bible, the crowd is always wrong. You know, the crowd is, you never want to be a part of the crowd. You want to be a part of the disciples, but the disciples are in a group following Jesus, listening together. The other, that one danger is the crowd, the other danger is to be in isolation. So if you have made a beginning of your Christianity, but you keep falling on your face, you keep struggling, you, you, you keep having to start over and start over and start over, I'm telling you, the way to break up the rocks is to join a group. Join a group. Come next Sunday, one hour earlier, we have groups that meet all through this building. Adults, youth, children, okay? We had a young man who came to church this morning. I came to church this morning, and there was a young man asleep on the steps outside. About scared me to death. I woke him up, and he had come to church. He didn't want to miss it. He walked here from all the way across town at 5.30 this morning. And he was asleep on the steps. He came here because he didn't want to miss it. And he came to church. He came because one of you invited him. That's cool. Isn't that cool? Didn't just invite him, invested in him, talked to him, loved him, cared about him. Came to this church. But, the bit, but, you know, he's struggling. You know one of the main reasons he's struggling? He's isolated. He's isolated. And hopefully, hopefully, today is the beginning of him coming out of isolation into a group. Does this make sense? Now, you might not be walking to church. You might not be in desperate circumstances. But you can be desperately lonely sitting in the crowd. And what I want you, if you want to break up the rocks, you've got to join a group. Okay? Now, Thorns. This is the a, a lot of us. The the reason you're not good soil, and you're not as fruitful and faithful as you could be, is those thorns, right? I know it's it's definitely true for me. Stress and worry. Huh. Somebody said life, life. The stress and worry of life, the desire for wealth, the deceitfulness of money, and the de- desire for other things. This is, these are thorns that choke out. So it's like, I want so badly for you to hear God's calling. But many of us are going, many of us will just go, yeah, but that's how life is. No, it is, you are not meant to be choked out by stress and worry and anxiety. You're not meant to be stre- like finances just like wrecking you, wrecking your peace, wrecking your marriage wrecking your bank account and your credit card. It's not how we're meant to live, right? And, it, and, so, and the desire for other things. Now, this is what's so cool. There is an antidote. How do you get rid of the thorns? Anybody a worrier and people tell you, you know, you need to quit worrying, and you just want to slap them? You know, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, hey, 
I'm good at this. Don't knock it, okay? <laughs> I'm a warrior, right? But like, telling me to get rid of stress and worry, telling me to not be so concerned with money, i got a family. You know, like, I've got obligations. i got to pay the bills. So, like, this is really hard. How do you get set free from always needing more? I love what Andy, Andy Stanley said. He said, how do you feed, how do you, how do you satisfy an appetite? Last night, I got a little bit hungry. Late after supper, got a little munchy. You know, I just need something. So what do I do? Go to the pantry. I'll try peanuts. Nope. Try that. You, you ever been there? I need something. I need something. I need something. I need, you know, and just keep trying to, to satisfy my appetite. I think the way to satisfy an appetite is to go to the pantry and, by golly, feed it. But guess what? Andy Stanley said this, if you feed an appetite, guess what happens to it? It grows. You have got to be kidding me this whole time. <laughs> I've been doing that. Right? You mean, so guess how you satisfy an appetite? You satisfy an appetite by not feeding it. And so when we indulge Every craving for more, more friends, more vacations, more stuff, more, I need a new iPhone, I need it, right? You know, all, and some of you are like, ah, it's not me. If, buddy, if we look, do you want a new fishing pole? Do you want a new shotgun? Right? Like, we all, I promise you, we all have these thorns, that choke us out. There is an antidote. There is an antidote. This is amazing. There is one antidote in the Bible that, that will actually help to solve your stress and worries of this life and your, the desire for wealth to keep it in check and to keep our hearts from being swayed away by, by, by the wrong desires. Not, not really what's best for us. There is an, there's, you, you ever heard of anti-venom? Like if we get bit by a snake, we got to rush to the hospital to get that medicine. They don't have any snakes on the Canadian border. Don't worry, there's, there's none. Kristen, you'll be fine in your survival. Yeah, if you get bit by a snake, you got to get that anti-venom, right? Get that medicine. There is medicine. There is a spiritual practice that God has given to us to help us not be overcome with stress and worry of this life and not be consumed by the desire for riches and wealth and to keep our hearts from running after the wrong things. Isn't that amazing? There is a, do you want to know what it is? It's counterintuitive. It's kind of like, do you know what the, um, do you know what the antidote for self-pity is? Anybody know? That's right, it's so true. The antidote for self-pity, feeling sorry for yourself, 
if you're ever down and feeling sorry for yourself, the antidote to self-pity is gratitude. If you will practice gratitude, it is anti-venom. You cannot stay in self-pity and practice gratitude. When you're in self-pity, you think, no, what I want, I, I need everyone to feel sorry for me. I need everyone to see how hard my life is. And if you, I mean, like what we want is more and more love and attention and focus on me. But if you do that to self-pity, it grows and grows and grows. The antidote to self-pity is what our grandparents intuitively know. Count your blessings, name them one by one. You say out loud what you're thankful for, and you will not stay in self-pity. It works every time. Do you want to know what the anti-venom to worries over this life and the desire for wealth and having your heart run after the wrong thing is? Tithing. Didn't see that one coming, did you? No, it's so counterintuitive. But Jesus talks a ton about this. This is the thorns that choke us out. It's, it, a lot of it comes down to money, not money itself, but what money represents. Money represents security. Money represents ability to do what I want. Money represents pleasure. And money chokes. It just, golly, it is... More than anything else, more than anything else, it wants to dominate your mind and your heart and choke out the Word of God. And the antidote is not to feel different. It's not to pray more. And this is weird. Usually I'm going to tell you to pray. But if you're struggling with the thorns of life, pray all you want. But you had better surrender your finances to God. And the way you demonstrate that is by giving the first 10% back to him. A tithe is 10%. A tithe is not what you feel like giving. A tithe is a, it's a, it's a concept. This is an Old Testament concept that the New Testament also affirms. And I just want to challenge you. If you are struggling with stress and, and just you're constantly battling stuff at work or finances or whatever, I want to ask you, just be honest with yourself. Are you tithing? Because the, and here's what happens when you start to tithe. You go, first you have to learn how to do math. What is 10% of $100? Hmm? $10. All right. What is 10% of $1,000? All right. $100. All right. What is 10, this is hard. What is 10% of $20,000? $2,000. You just move the decimal place over. All right. Here's the deal. When, you, when I was a kid, my dad taught me to tithe. And I'm not going to do a whole sermon on this. Don't worry. I'm about to wrap up. But, like, when I was a kid, it was like, here's your $5 allowance, son, and you need to give how much? 50 cents. It's really cute when you're a little kid and it's 50 cents. But when you've become older, if you start when you're young, it's super easy to keep doing this. But if you don't, if you've not been taught to tithe, it can be like at first, when you, if you go home and do the math, you might go, Lordy, we can't pay the bills. And I get that. Okay? But here's what I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to take a leap of faith. God says, test me and see. The first 10% belongs to God. And so if you ever decide to tithe, I hope you do, it will always feel like, not, not this far, it feels like jumping off a cliff. 
and it's supposed to. There's something about 10%. It's just enough to feel like we, we, we can't do this. Shelly and I have been there at times. We tithe, but there's been times where we just think, oh my gosh, like, it makes you trust God. And here's the cool thing. It, I, okay, it, I'm not saying it'll, oh, you'll never worry again. Of course you will. But here's the thing. It, it forces our hearts to be in tune with God. It keeps that greed, that appetite for more in check. Giving something away. I need to give, not because they need it, but because I need to be set free from being one more American consumer that just cares about the bottom line. Because on my deathbed and on your deathbed, we are not going to care about so much of this stuff. And this is what's neat. When you choose to give, it, it, it helps your heart not chase after the wrong things. Okay? When you see what giving does, it, it, again, it doesn't mean you'll never want new countertops. Oh, did you see those? Oh, those countertops. Oh, we've got to get some of those. Right, I'm not saying we'll never want something new, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm saying it keeps this, it helps keep this stuff in perspective. A lot of you think if your heart's in the right place, you'll give. But that is not true. It's just the opposite. It's not if your heart's in the right place, you'll give. It's if you give, your heart, your heart, money doesn't follow your heart. Your heart follows your money. And you know who said that? Jesus. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also and so i'm not asking you to give to the church this is not an appeal for money i know that people hate when preachers ask for money and i hate being a preacher for that reason i I really can't stand it so here's the deal i i need you to give you need to give for you if you don't want to if you don't trust the church i mean i hope you will trust this church because we try really hard to handle the finance as well and y'all do a ton of good here with the money but if you're like new here if you're like i don't really want to give to the church that's fine You don't have to give to this church. Give wherever you want. Pick a charity. But tithe. Tithe. Give 10% away and see if that doesn't help move your soil to a place where you can hear God. Because you can't hear God when your mind's full of a bunch of clutter and your heart's full of a bunch of clutter. I'm going to close with this beautiful, uh, this part of a poem by Rich Mullins. Y'all know Rich Mullins is my hero, singer-songwriter. And his favorite song that he ever wrote was called Elijah. When I leave, I want to go out like Elijah. Some of you remember that song. But I wanted to read this as we close today. Rich says this. The Jordan is waiting for me to cross through. My heart is aging, I can tell. So, Lord, I'm begging for one last favor from you. Here's my heart. Take it where you will. This life has shown me how we're mended and how we're torn. How it's okay to be lonely as long as you're free. 
Sometimes my ground was stony and sometimes covered up with thorns. And only you could make it what it had to be. You hear that? Sometimes my ground was stony and sometimes covered up with thorns and only you could make it what it had to be. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, thank you so much for every single person in this room. And God, we want to we have hearts that are soil ready for, for growth. Lord, we don't want to be hard-packed and dry and crusty. So Lord, I pray that you'll just soften our hearts, as we say a lot of times. I know you have been speaking to many of us, and, and I know there's some folks in this room that I, I just, they inspire me because they're, they're, they've been doing this every day. They've been tilling the soil, and, and you are bearing fruit in their lives, and, and I want to be like that. So, Lord, I pray that you would break up the rocks, get, get us out of isolation, get us into real friendships with other believers who we can be honest with, and Lord, for those of us that are just stressed with worry and struggles with finances and the thorns of life, well, we don't want to be choked out. Me know money's important. You know money's important. But we don't want to be dominated by it. So I pray for anyone here today that needs to take that step and surrender the area of their money to you. I pray that you'll give them the grace to do it, to get out of the hole, to stop being insane with their money, and to just trust you with it. And, and to give to you faithfully, maybe a tithe, maybe working towards a tithe. Whatever you lead them to do, God, I pray that you would ultimately set us free so that we can bear fruit for you, fruit that will last. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Well, let's stand in body or in spirit. The altar is open. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you for any reason. Let's, let's worship the Lord.